It's This Week in Bourbon, making all your bourbon fantasies come true. And here's your headlines from May 12th, 2023. MGP and Luxco have acquired Penelope Bourbon for up to $215 million. Elijah Craig Barrel Proof moves to a variable age-dated release. And Mark Brown will step down as CEO and president of Sazerac beginning in July. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Hey everybody, welcome back to This Week in Bourbon and we're kind of making bourbon. We know we're not making bourbon fantasies come true, but we are trying to do it with one bottle at a time. It's, that's our fantasy with it at least. Yeah, I think you're trying to make some kind of bad joke because I'm in Atlanta right now. It was. You know, and <laughs> it was tying in Ludacris and Ryan Cecil in Atlanta. They really don't really go together, but it's okay. <laughs> it's uh, doing the Lord's work today figured, down in Atlanta. I figured that'd be like your middle name, just Ryan Ludacris Cecil. That's what my dad thought about it, but, you know, <laughs> instead he went with he went with Chase instead, so that's... Uh, I, I would have been much cooler, ludicrous, but yeah, <laughs> yep. You wouldn't got yelled on the bus in middle school, then would you? <laughs> That's right. Can't sit here. He's taken. <laughs> Come on, Luda. Luda, get out of the way. Well, in that song too. Move. <laughs> get out the way. Move. Okay. Bitch, get out the way. Yeah, we did our best to come up with some sort of a ludicrous thing as the opening, but every single thing came down to, I don't know, derogatory terms for women, or it was cuss words, or like, I don't think this will work, so. But yeah, there's some other our upcoming lane. stuff for Ryan and I. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Stay in our lane, that's for sure. Oh, I was going to say, this is one of those days I wish, like, a camera crew was following me around, just like, so people understand. <laughs> so you know it's not like, as glorious as it seems. <laughs> yeah. 
it's not like I'm running through my my fingers through a field of grass and I have a DeWalt in my hand drilling into barrels, looking at the glass through the sun to see if I get the perfect blend. But it's one of those days where you fly into Atlanta, you got to drive an hour and a half to your first account. <laughs> and then you just go to store to store, you know, just uh, doing the Lord's work, you know, selling one bottle at a time. One at a time. The, doing it. The I haven't eaten way. today. <laughs> I haven't eaten. I got. I, I. I didn't even get to like. I bought a bottle of water at the, at the airport and like. Jeff, he's a hustler, man. He's our rep down here, and he just had me going to store to store, and he never asked me to for, like if I was hungry for lunch or anything. So I just kept going, and I was like, "All right, let's just keep going to stores." Was he eating ham sandwiches in the car, just not telling you? I guess I don't know. He must have had a packed lunch. I did not. Well, let me do a, a few different updates for things that are going on. So you're listening to this on Friday. We got a tasting that's happening at our my usually my local liquor store here in Louisville, Kentucky at the Wine Rack. Steve Breen, who is one of our ambassadors, is going to be doing a tasting there. I'm going to pop over and say hi. So if you're going to be in the area, please go ahead and do that. So that's going to be the Wine Rack, uh, I think, from about 4 to 7 p.m., and then if you're going to be in Owensboro, which I was actually at Owensboro this week, I did a great presentation with the Owensboro Bourbon Society down there. Uh, I would first off say shout out to, uh, of course, our ambassador, Jacob, as well as their, uh, I guess you'd say their president and leader, Vince, for having me in there. It was fantastic, very attentive and focus group. And I'm just forever thankful to be able to do things like that. So if you have a whiskey society or something like that, especially around Kentucky or somewhere close to us, we'd love to be able to present to you. Those are those are the things that we love is, is getting in front of our types of people. But back to what I was actually saying is that uh, this weekend is also the Barbecue and Barrels Festival that's happening in Owensboro. And the ambassadors that I've just mentioned, Jacob and Steve, will be there pouring Pursuit United. So go and check them out. And last is that Today is the end of the fundraiser coming to the, the final hours. Ryan, you want to give an update on that one as well? Yeah. So I guess at midnight tonight, Friday, uh, the fundraiser, bourbon fundraiser for the Barrick, Josh Barrick family. Last I checked, it was at like 123,000, which is unbelievable because um, I kind of made this bold move. You know, a lot of these people that knew Josh, you know, worked at distilleries around town and they donated these like really rare bottles. And when I told them I was going to do a raffle, they kind of said, what? You're going to do a raffle? You're not going to do an auction? And I was like, well, I think I can raise more money if we do a raffle with, you know, lower amounts people give a chance to buy. And so I'm, I think when I tallied up like the auction items, it was going to be around $50,000 of, you know, if, if like a true auction price. But I think we're at 123,000 now raised so far. So that's I'm glad I made the right choice. That it it it's been unbelievable the support and uh, thank you for everyone. It's it's Jessica messaged me and just she said like, you know, in this very dark time, this is like a little bright light of hope for um, during this tough time. So thank to everyone that's donated and uh, supported. Yeah, very cool and good job on you of putting this all together. I know it's been a thorn in your side doing it. I think there will be an opportunity in the future to talk about what does it take to actually create a bourbon fundraiser or raffle that actually has to abide by the law. And oh, it's gosh. not as I easy get... as people want to think. 
Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that because I've been living it for the past four weeks. It's a uh, it's not easy. <laughs> As just don't do anything with alcohol. That's alcohol business is just terrible. So don't do it. <laughs> there you go. Wise words from Cecil. And in that chat, John Henderson says that it is currently at one hundred twenty nine thousand. So uh, what? Be really oh, awesome. And shout out to John for thanks for all his help. And you, you helped out a ton too. And uh, my buddies there at the Holy Trinity Parish, Dan Lally and Chris Nall. But uh, yeah, John, huge help. Thank you all. For sure. All right. You ready to start talking some bourbon release news or just bourbon Let's news? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's our first headline and that's MGP ingredients, otherwise known as MGP to a lot of us or maybe Ross and Squibb. It's announced that Luxco, which if you remember that they had acquired Luxco last year, so that subsidiary has reached a definitive agreement to acquire 100% of the equity of Penelope Bourbon and its related assets. So the acquisition includes all the intellectual property and inventory of bottled product, as well as Penelope's aging whiskey inventory on a debt and cash-free basis. The upfront consideration is $105 million in cash to be paid at closing, with further potential earnout contingent consideration up to a maximum cash payout of $110.8 million, and that's going to be measured through December 31st, 2025, if certain performance conditions are met, reflecting the brand's current growth potential. The acquisition is expected to be financed using MGP's existing revolving credit facility and cash on hand, and it's anticipated to close in June of 2023. So, big first acquisition of the year. I believe we we or somebody had called this already on our uh, predictions of the year. and I believe it might have been me saying that Penelope was going to be the one that's going to get bought out. And I didn't know if it was going to be MGP, but it makes total sense. Oh yeah, this is a, a obviously a win for Penelope, but a win for MGP too, because you know they're already selling the whiskey to them, so it you know they take their brand, all the distribution. So that's what Mike and Danny have done such a fabulous job at is like they've really figured out the sales and distribution aspect of this game, which is that's I'm sorry, you know we we had a episode where I think we talked about who's more important, the master distiller or the main salesman or something. And I think Danny and Mike have proved that the salesperson is the most important because, you know, they don't have a distillery. They don't, they, they have a great product with, you know, MGP, but they were able to go out and build this brand and build, you know, penetrate the distribution market. And that's something MGP hasn't been able to do with their existing brands. And so, you know, it's just simple, you know, we're selling them to it. It just takes Penelope's cost of goods way down, you know, thousands of dollars a barrel to, to, to hundreds of dollars a barrel of cost of goods. And so the margins that they're going to make, you know, once I think I was reading that once kind of they get the cash, you know, pay off this, you know, payout to Penelope, it's really only going to cost the company like $5 million at the end of it, because how much saving you just, Think about how much savings they'll they'll collect on the you know the P and L statements from being the supplier now to that brand. So that may not make sense to other yeah, people, we, but I guess that I hope I'm explaining it right. Yeah, I mean, well, I understand it, but I remember. So we actually had an opportunity to sit down with Mike and Danny earlier this week. They flew in on Tuesday, and we went and met them out and just kind of hung out for uh, an afternoon, just kind of just talk shop. And I just remember bringing up the joke. It was like, it's funny that they end up having to buy back all their whiskey from you. And it's like, yeah, got a, got a nice premium on it. But yeah, this is also one of the other things is that, go ahead. 
Yeah, the, no, they, and two, like, MGP was kind of, like, didn't have enough to support them, so they were buying stuff from bear, brokers also outside of MGP because MGP wasn't able to support their needs, so now this kind of helps alleviate that uh, problem as well. Very true. Very true. And this was also one of the most confusing things because if you looked at a lot of the articles that went out, it basically said that Penelope was getting bought for $105 million. But if you paid attention to what this was, is that they get $105 million on day one. That's uh, that's going to be sometime in June. And then going into December 31st, 2025, they can have an additional maximum cash payout of, an, of another $110 million based on sales performance. So being you know, looking at a, at a look at a to a two hundred and fifteen million. I think that's a that's a pretty good lump sum of change there to to be able to have her a, a brand. And I think they're pushing close to ninety thousand six packs this year. So that gives you an idea of how kind of big in their scale of, of where they were going as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd take ten percent of that right now, just to put us out of our misery. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's a <laughs> whatever huge... it is. Yeah. It's a huge payday for them and well well deserved. They're two of the hardest working individuals I've seen, you know, uh in you know, the new startup brand. I mean, they really just pounded the pavement and hustled, you know, to get where they were. Um, so it it's been I'm very happy for them and it's been very inspiring. And I think it's too, I think it's good for whiskey long term that still shows like there's they think they can continue to grow that brand, that there's, you know, still room for you know, not just the big six, I guess. So for sure. And I was actually looking at our website. So if you want to listen to the podcast we had with Danny and Michael, go ahead and listen to it. It's episode 382. And oddly enough, the the episode was called Building a Brand with No Distillery. And <laughs> that just goes to show you it's like there is there's value and just having a well-recognized brand, you don't have to have the distillery and the horsepower behind it. Granted, it helps, but there is there is power in having just the brand aspect of it too. Yeah, and a couple things they did well was like, you know, they had a an offering that could compete with Basil Hayden's, you know, an 80-proof, entry-proof uh, offering that there really wasn't a competitor to Basil Hayden's, you know, in that regard. And then so you had that and then they the toasted barrel offering, you know, as they told us, you know, Elijah Craig and Michter's kind of really coined that term. But they did all the marketing, but ne didn't necessarily have all the product that this is Michter's and Elijah Craig didn't have enough product. And then Penelope was able to use that toasted name for theirs and kind of fill that need. And then, too, with the finishings and stuff, they've done, you know, really kind of had a really good product offering that kind of appealed to a lot of people um, right now. So, Yeah, for sure. And I was actually listening to a great podcast. Uh, it's called Kimbo by Seth Godin. And there was one of the latest ones talking about if you like, when's the right time to enter a market? And the, you know, you probably can already guess is that the, the worst time to enter it is when it's saturated. It's the same exact. And one of his examples was saying that, Today, if you think you have a good idea and saying, I've got a great app for the iPhone, be like, you're way too late. Like you need to be one of the first movers, if not too early to be able to capitalize on that potential growth. And that's what they did. They they were able to kind of sniff out a lot of that stuff. They've been on the forefront of some of the, the finishes that have kind of taken off that other people are looking at 
copying or trying to mimic, and they've got great packaging to go along with it. So I think we've we've churched them up enough. Uh, but again, congratulations to those two. I think it's uh, it's great to see that. Uh, there I saw a lot of comments and people were like, oh, this is like what happens when Bud Light or Budweiser buys somebody. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. Like these guys are still going to be there for for quite some time, making sure the product stays consistent and still stands true to you know their mission and what they're doing as well. Yeah, they got that buyout carrot dangling over them or not the buyout, but the earn out. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's true. That yeah, another totally. hundred million dollars. So they're, they're not going anywhere. And. Probably it's Don't better for the up. brand. It's probably better for the brand because they'll get better access to whiskey, you know, from MGP. So totally. All right, let's keep moving on here. So BR Distilling Company, it's Memphis's oldest licensed distillery, is elated to announce that is now offering tours at the distillery, as well as a tasting in the newly opened 550 square foot tasting room. Fans of the award-winning bourbon lineup will now have the opportunity to learn about the brand as well as sample the three Blue Note bourbons. Blue Note Juke Joint, Blue Note Crossroads, and Blue Note Uncut. The personal tours of the 27,000-square-foot production facility will be led by the Blue Note team, sharing their extensive knowledge of the brand and industry. The experience will offer guests an intimate understanding of what goes on behind the scenes, giving visitors a fascinating look into the history of the bourbon and the art of crafting it. Having recently landed on both Whiskey Advocate and Food & Wine's list of must-buys with Blue Note Juke Joint, Uncut, and Blue Note Crossroads, they're offering an unparalleled experience like no other. Tours are set to run weekly on Thursday and Friday afternoons, and the experience lasts about an hour, and you can purchase your tickets online. All right. Well, I, I've, I've been there. I was wait, I was wait, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting <laughs> for this. <laughs> uh, hopefully a lot of renovations have gone into this. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. So the reason we're saying this is because we actually got our start. And that's how we started Pursuit Series was actually working at BR Distilling Company in this actual facility. Uh, and you'd walk through and half the doors didn't work. There was <laughs> a... Uh, there was a, I think it was a, what was it? There was a urinal that like I had to stand yeah, on my tippy toes to be able to use. <laughs> I, that was, I was about to just say that you, you walk in, Kenny's on his tippy toes trying to pee. I was like, what's going on there? Then you get up to the urinal and you're like, damn, it comes up to my chest. So I know it's too tall for Kenny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. It's, it's just because we have a lot of great memories, uh, with inside of this facility going there, bringing our own thief can jam tasting through barrels and it was it, i mean for the most part it wasn't anywhere that was a it was a workhorse that wasn't supposed to be something where people came into but it was like our our little i don't know a little haven i guess you could say i think they just to, to top off the whole experience they need a shuttle that takes you to cozy's and back for <laughs> cozy's corner for lunch but uh that's exciting for them. I mean, obviously the brand's gone a long way since then. Um, so, you know, it, it'd probably be cool to give people an insight, you know, look at what goes on in the, I guess, sourced whiskey market and whatnot. So, yeah. And I know that I saw Logan, who we've known for a very long time, Logan Welk, he's their COO and, um, and I know he was doing a lot of the actual renovations himself. When we were there at one point, he was renovating That's right. the upstairs offices. He was probably doing it down there too. So not only is he, he knows about the business, but he can also tape and mud some drywall. Yeah. I remember we we're picking, he comes down, it looks like somebody dumped flour on him, you know, from drywall sand. He was just like covered head to toe. You just see his eyes. But, uh, 
yeah. I, I did uh, see it on the I, website. I it looks you, they, nice. They got, they got better couches now. They got better couches now than when we were there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in another headline, and this is a move to reassure that, you know, who knows what's going to happen and speculation and excitement and kind of all at once. But Heaven Hill has announced that it is going to be changing its beloved cast strength bourbon expression, which is Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. So Heaven Hill said that starting with the May release of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, which is B523, the bourbon's age statement will now become variable to at least some degree, resulting in batches both younger and older than its classic 12 year age statement. So Elijah Craig Barrel Proof will now be barreled in small batches with varying age statements. And each batch of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof will have its own unique taste profile and proof as the years pass and now a unique age statement that will, remain, will retain the extra age characteristic the brand is known for. All other qualities of the series remain the same, which is non-chill filtered and uncut to preserve all the natural esters and taste components from the barrels to the bottle. So wait, are, are they going to put each batch to specific age on it or is it this like vague term? It's a vague term. It's, I, I believe Wade Woodard commented and they go, oh, so you mean they're going to follow the TTB rules? So if you're <laughs> adding in a bunch of 12-year-old barrels and a nine and an eight-year-old, well, then you have to put eight euros on the on the label. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. And I, I really don't mind this because I, I honestly think Elijah Craig's really good at eight to 10 years old. <laughs> like some of the best barrels I've had are in that eight to 10 range. So I, I, I this doesn't, I know people will probably get in a fluster about this, but it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You look at it and they had, they had already kind of started down this path. You know, they started doing this a long time ago when they took the, the big red 12 off the front and put it onto the side or the back and then it disappeared. And then they, they were kind of doing the same thing here where the 12 was never really on the front of the barrel proof at all. It was in the back and you had to really dig and read into it. And it's just a, another subtle change. And I just remember it goes back to our episode that we had with Bernie Lubbers. And he goes, well, would you rather have bourbon on the shelf or not on the shelf? And right. this is basically what it comes down to. It's like, if they can't do this, then you're just not going to have any bourbon on the shelf. Yeah. Then you turn into all the Sazerac products and you don't want to be that. Or I don't know. Yeah, maybe it, I, maybe you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you, you want to sell product. You don't want to just become the wild goose chase. That's right. So Covington, Kentucky-based Wenzel Whiskey has announced that it has acquired assets and inventory of aged spirits from Savannah, Georgia-based Ghost Coast Distillery, which closed its tasting room doors back in September of 2022. Wenzel reached an agreement with Ghost Coast to purchase all the equipment used for distilling and nearly 500 barrels of aged bourbon and rum. The equipment includes a pot still and cooker from Vendome, and the barrels of aged spirits include a considerable amount of bourbon that is upwards of seven years old. Distillery Now Consulting served to the broker the sale of the distillery and also handled the decommission and the relocation equipment and the barrels to Covington. And they have also mentioned that this is actually going to be the first time that they're going to bring distilling back to Covington, Kentucky. Wow, that's cool. We know the Wenzel, right? That, didn't we have lunch with him? Yeah, yeah. This is Bill Whitlow's. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I, because that name sounds familiar, Ghost Coast. I feel like we tried to buy barrels from them when we first started on the Pursuit series. That they made some good whiskey. Yeah, I thought. exactly. Yeah, so you're you're right on track there. So they sent us samples. I remember, when we kind of put out a a bunch of feelers out there saying, "Hey, we want to start working with some small craft distilleries that make some good stuff." 
and they had sent us some samples and there was one that stood out. I remember it was really good and I don't know what happened. We just didn't follow up with it. Um, but now you can see that we probably should have, and we might be the owners of some Vendome pot stills and cookers. Yeah, we, we do need those. How, how, what size? Yeah, we couldn't afford it anyway. Uh, get some, get another line of credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's what we need. More debt. All right. And so one of our other headlines is that Mark Brown will step down as CEO and uh, president of Sazerac in July when the company's chief commercial officer will now take over the new role. So New Orleans headquartered Sazerac said in a statement as part of a long signaled and eight year succession plan, effective July, tw- sorry, July 1st, Mark Brown will become the Sazerac company's full time executive chairman and Jake Wins, currently the company's chief commercial officer, will become the president and CEO. Mark Brown got a start in the alcohol sector when he began working for his family's pub business in the UK in 1971. In 1976, he joined British cider maker H.P. Bulmer as a salesperson and became a sales trainer in 1979. He moved to the U.S. in 1980 as the U.S. field sales manager for Bulmer, and from 81 to 92, he served as director of new products, national sales manager, and eventually vice president of sales and marketing for Sazerac. Brown Foreman, or sorry, I should say, Brown actually joined Brown Foreman in 1992 as senior vice president and chief operating officer of the Select Brands Group for two years. He spent the next three years as president of Brown Foreman's Advancing Markets Group before returning to Sazerac in June 1997 as president and CEO. So what a storied history there. It is, yep. And a lot of brands that have been grown since he's been there. And, you know, there's no doubt, no question that what they've done at Sazerac under his leadership is nothing short of impressive. You know, it's uh, we knew this transition was coming from a while and I'm, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, no, I mean, it, it, and I think this kind of got leaked out a little bit uh, about what was going to happen, but I think it was, it's interesting to see how all this played out because this is, this was a, an eight year succession plan that they already had planned a long time ago. I mean, what other companies do you think take that long to figure it out? It's got to be quite the it's it's quite the planning process to just sit there and have somebody sitting waiting for eight years to go and take a position. So it's uh it's well, for, for them. McCall, McCall did the, that. Maybe not true. eight years. Not becoming the but, master, yeah, master blender or master distiller. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll I'll put you under my eight year succession plan. Do the master blending. <laughs> there you go. It's training stars today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to start doing V lookups tomorrow. Oh gosh, yeah, you probably want to quit while you're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so scientists have discovered the perfect amount of water to add to your whiskey. So if you've ever been to a whiskey tasting, you've likely been encouraged to add a few drops of water to your glass to quote open up the palate. And this technique has long been employed in the single scotch whiskey world for a while, but the amount of water that you should add is often open to interpretation. That is until now, thanks to a new study from Washington State University that reveals how much water is too much water. So if you're interested in knowing at what point you're diluting your whiskey and not allowing the palate to bloom, WSU WSU researchers have capped it at around 20%. In other words... If you have a 60 milliliter glass, which is about two ounces of a single malt whiskey in front of you, and you like to add some water, don't add more than 12 milliliters or the equivalent of 20% of the whiskey's volume. And this is according to Thomas Collins. If you 
remember that name? He was actually a guest on our podcast back on episode 235. And him and WSU assistant professor and senior authority of the study uh, added more than this homogenizes the whiskey and makes it all kind of start to smell and taste the same. And for this study, WSU researchers analyzed the volatile compounds of 25 different whiskeys across many different categories, including bourbon, rye, scotch, and Irish whiskey, as well as having a sensory panel analyze six samples to find out what right amount of water is. Specifically, the researchers looked at what they call the headspace above the liquid where the volatile chemicals can be found. Some are attracted to water and others are repelled by it. So when you add water, the smell and the flavor will change. And according to Collins, peated whiskeys shifted from smoky to fruity after adding water and bourbon from vanilla and oak flavors to more of a grain heavy profile. At a 60-40 whiskey to water ratio, panelists had trouble telling one whiskey from another. Well, I mean, obviously it matters what proof it is too, right? Yeah, because what was it? Like most people in a sensory lab are actually tasting it at 40 proof. But like if you're at that's looking for flaws. Proof. That's looking for flaws, not necessarily yeah, yeah. taste profiles. So I guess, yeah, be, well, yeah, because if you have a 94 proof and you do 20% water, that's different than... 120 proof. I don't know, right? Because <laughs> if you have 120, two ounces of 120 proof, two ounces of 90 proof, that's kind of like going to give the same effect or whatever. But but, but it, it does. But I, I, it I agree with the, the 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 study that like to me when you add start adding water and ice, it starts to like you said get those grainy kind of like tea compounds that just it really loses like the all the great stuff about whiskey. But you know what we learned about this is that we just need to add a bunch of water to our peated whiskeys and all of a sudden we're going to start liking it. <laughs> I don't know about that. You can't get rid of that. You, you may be able to get rid of the smoke, but you ain't getting rid of the dirt taste. <laughs> that might be true. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the bourbon news. Stick around. We'll be back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. 
shopify.com slash bourbon. Hey everybody, welcome back to some bourbon release news. And this is going to be, this will be a quick one. We only got two to talk about and let's go ahead and let's just get to it. So Hirsch Selected Whiskeys has announced the release of its latest expression, which if we remember, they had a Hirsch like the whatever finish one. Well, that trend is continuing because now this one is the single barrel double oak. So crafted in Bardstown, Kentucky, the single barrel double oak is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey that has been double barreled in new American oak and finished in used American oak barrels. Only 30 barrels will be released and the single barrel double oak pays homage to Hirsch's famed A.H. Hirsch 16 year gold foil while reaffirming the brand's steadfast dedication to uphold the A.H. Hirsch legacy through the curation of exceptional American whiskey. So the single barrel double oak offers three styles of single barrels, each comprised of two mash bills blended at different ratios. So the first is 72% corn, 13% rye, 15% malted barley, aged for eight years and seven months. And the other is 74% corn, 18% rye, and 8% malted barley, aged for three years and seven months. And the single barrel double oak will retail for a suggested retail price of $100. For an eight and three year blend? It's an eight and three year blend. It's been double barreled. So it was okay. a new American oak and then finished and used American oak, which. Gotcha. So now it's not a bourbon anymore. Right. Right. Because it right. went well, to I mean, a used barrel. Yeah, you're right. It's just single barrel, double oak. Um, so it would be considered, I guess, an American whiskey. You're right. Yep. Whiskey specialty now. Because it hit that used barrel. But yep. I mean, be interested to try eight year and a three year that because they've kind of contract distilled from a lot of different places so i i can't really pinpoint where these are i kind of know but i'm not going to say but uh i'd be interested to try them yeah i like i said i just thought it was interesting that they they finished it in america used barrels because that's not very typical you you typically want to use a new charred oak barrel because that's going to give all of the flavors and essence and just kind of, I mean, that's what made Kentucky Al and 2XO so great is because you just get like a lot more barrel character gets influenced because you have this all new compound hitting it, but this is used. So typically, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of like a used car, right? It's like, you don't have new components, you know, you gotta, it's just not going to have all the bells and whistles, I guess. Well, this is probably going to become more and more common because uh the barrels shortage you know so a brand like hers probably doesn't have the i guess the the contracts or ability to get these secondary barrels for finishing that you know, nooch and i think the industry as a whole is gonna have to really look at this toasted and double oak thing and like we're really wasting a lot of resources on uh these these barrel finishes using another new chart oak just to get a bourbon category so I think this is going to be a new or a continued trend you'll see. Well, and the other thing that's that's interesting about this one is that it's very analogous to what Chicken Cock did. But Chicken Cock came was out and said, that, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, because they, they took yeah, a used because like they took a Kentucky whiskey, then put it in a new charred oak barrel because it was the Kentucky whiskey was put in a used barrel first, and then they put a new one, so it was reversed, right? And I think it's interesting to see this is that." Chicken Cock came out and actually said, they go, we're doing this because the market wants more double oak. And I think this is exactly why they're doing is because you can just come 
on there, put it in the package and be like, this is double oak. And you don't know if what's used or not. And as long as it says it was bourbon at one point, people are probably just going to go ahead and buy it. Hey, Penelope did it with the toasted, <laughs> you know, it's Michter's and Elijah Craig did that. And then they put it on people. People loved it. They loved it's just the name toasted or double oak. They just love that name. All right. Well, we need to go back to the marketing strategy and and I know we're, we're idiots. We make things way too hard on ourselves because we're way too transparent and way uh, again above doing trends. We're idiots. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the drawing board. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's our final news article, and that's Chattanooga Whiskey. I feel like they've got a new thing releasing every freaking week, but they have announced the release of Experimental Batch 31. And this is a red, white, and blue grist made with a blend of stone ground, red, white, and blue corn varieties. This commemorative batch celebrates the 10th anniversary of Tennessee's Whiskey Bill, which in May of 2013 legalized spirits production in Chattanooga, Tennessee for the first time in over 100 years. And this is their 31st batch since 2017. And it's a high malt bourbon made with these three stone ground corn varietals from Riverview Farms Milling, which is in Ranger, Georgia. So along with that, there's more than 25% pale malted barley. It's aged over four years, bottled at 102 proof, and there was no SRP on the press release, so I can't give you a price point. But I'm just going to guess somewhere probably around 50 to 60 bucks. Maybe, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, Hirsch is keeping up with Chattanooga with coming out stuff. I feel like we're talking about <laughs> their true. stuff, too, coming out with new. But did you say grits? Like, yeah, like grist. Like G-R-I-S-T. Oh, yeah. I, oh, okay. I, I stumble on my words. That's okay. I thought we were at Cracker Barrel for a second. Yeah. Uh, get my get, shrimp and grits on. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it sounds interesting. I always, I always like what they do, so I, I'll be down to try it. Yeah. And I mean, all this just goes to show you that you can, we can you got to have these little small releases and just something to kind of get people keep going. So I, I like that. But, you know, it's just more things that we can learn and and take to our own brand. We just need better storytelling. <laughs> That's what we're too. It's, no, it's like we're, we're, we're too it's like just uh, so technical. analytical. It's okay. Well, go ahead. Go get yourself some old fashions. Get yourself a nice dinner and I'll see you later. All right. Let's go to bed. <laughs> that is going to be the end of this week in bourbon. So make sure you subscribe. Tell people about the podcast. And yeah, well, with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you later. Toodles. Toodles.